0: Big Sis Podcast. We love Big Sis! Hey, hey, I'm Karen Mason from Big Sis Australia, and welcome to this episode of the Big Sis Pod today, I would like to introduce you to this amazing woman that I was so lucky to meet back when I had a breakfast radio show in Geelong. And we got to share her story on air. And it was one of the most powerful bits of radio that we did on that particular show. So I guess starting Big Sis Pod, I really wanted to then introduce her again to a different audience. And I'm finding just in society a lot of people are having a wind about, you know, what's going on in their world and, oh, everything's so hard. And I, I really wanted to have this guest on to just show you what can be thrown at a human being and she can get through anything. So I hope that you feel and can actually understand this powerful podcast because it is going to really blow your mind, to be honest with you. It is heavy stuff, so be prepared for it. And I would really like to share her story. So please welcome Veronica Allen.
1: Hi, Kaz. Hi, how are you? darling. So, so great to see you again. I know. It's great to see you again. Thank you so much for having me back.
0: Oh, and it is so, it's really been a great thing for me with Big Sis in general, even with the videos and things like that, because I'm reconnecting with some amazing women that I've had the pleasure to meet over the years in my industry experience in media. So, yeah, I just really am so grateful for your time, first of all, and I'm also going to remind you, the listener, that when we share our personal stories in media, it's actually a really hard thing to do. So you're going back into time, you're going back into some pretty dark times, mm-hmm. but the strength that Veronica has to share this with you right now um, Please be aware of that. So we're going to start with your story. So you were actually born into an unusual family. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness it's not the norm. So can you start with the kind of family that you were born
1: into? Well, dysfunctional would be the first word that comes to mind. I was born into domestic violence and rape and sexual abuse. So uh, that was the norm for me. As I got older, when I was older, like six and seven, if I saw families doing everyday things like laughing at the swimming pool, holding hands, going into shops, I thought there was actually something wrong with them. Because at our house, there was always yelling, uh, violence. My dad was very violent um, towards my mother, um, mostly towards my mother, but he was also raped Some of the girls um, are molested, others, but my mother could also become very aggressive. But uh, the story, I guess, of her life and then meeting someone like my father would explain her level of violence, even though I know there's no excuse. But, you know, that's how it was for us. It was normal. Um, So I I felt terrified from every level.
0: Now, Veronica, you have written a book and we will talk about that uh, later on in the podcast so I can let you know where to find it if you're interested. So when we did that interview another time a few years ago, the thing that really stood out to me was when you explained where you tried to commit suicide. You Mm. didn't want to be living because of this family that you were born into. Can you run us through that story where you go out onto the road?
1: I was about five or six. I was, That's mind-blowing anyway. I, remember
0: you, I just imagined that um, image of a young child trying to commit suicide I was, at I such would a say, young age.
1: And I would, would have been three in my mental state at the time because I, I was very slow as a child, but that was related to anxiety. You know, there'd been a lot of violence at home. I felt frightened. That, that particular day, my mum used a coat hanger on me, so she belted me with a coat hanger because I was caught talking to these girls at the pool and when I come home my sister dobbed on me and mum just went to a rage so so not
0: only your father was mm. abusive so was your mother and yeah. and the rest of your siblings
1: would turn on you oh yeah cuz I was the middle child I was an easy target, you know, I was just picked on. But the weirdest thing was if someone externally picked on me, my family would come at them. It was the most bizarre relationship, you know. so strange. Couldn't stand anyone else doing anything. But, you know, but I guess the dynamics of their own fears, their own rage, their own anger of what they had to also go through, you become an easy target. And I'm sure in hindsight, you know, no one would, think that that's a normal thing to do and I know they feel really bad about that but on that particular day that that happened to me i walking on the highway so my mum came at me initially she was dragging me around by the hair throwing me flinging me around the room and my sister brought flicked coat hanger underneath the door and mum just picked that up and started hitting me with it and when I was able to escape I ran I just kept running and running and running And I ran onto the highway and I I just wanted to die. But I didn't actually understand dying. That's the thing. I just wanted things to stop. I don't know how I understood to even think like that, you know. But I kept walking and uh, a family friend was driving along with her kids and found me and She took me back to her place but then apparently she went to my mum's house and ripped through her um, and then I was dropped off back home and my mum was cuddling me and everything. But my mum used to go into these rages where it's like she didn't know where she was, you know, completely disassociated from her body.
0: Because I I cannot comprehend that. I come from a beautiful family Mm. and I've got a great relationship with my mum. So, yeah, it is really hard for me to understand. Mm. Can you quickly run through that scenario of when
1: your father used to line you all up? Oh, he uh, lined us up in order of, I guess, age, height. I remember being towards one end, so I was pretty sure I was about six at the time, he lined us all up and he came in to the boys' room, it was called the boys' room um, and he had a gun. My dad was a professional shooter and he was also a very big man. So he came into the room. So very intimidating. Oh, extremely the intimidating. The fact that he's got guns and yep. also the... Impact. And he knew how to use them and mm. we knew that he knew how to use them because we believed what he said. Well, he used to threaten you all, so can you yeah, run us through the, what he said? he went to say? each one of us and put the gun to our heads and he got to me and I remember what he said to me and I can only value him what, he, what the the others but me in particular put the gun in my head and he said if you blink or breathe I'll pull the fucking trigger and I started to wee myself and all I remember thinking was I hope he doesn't hear that running down my leg because he will kill me Mm -hmm. my sister escaped and went and got help so that um, day
0: or another day? No then, No, that,
1: that actual time she got out. But, you know. But who s- who's the help? Who's actually um, helped you? No one. The police yeah. would stand at the gate and, come on, Billy, put the gun down. No one would actually come in and lock him up or arrest him or anything. They would just, because they were terrified of my father. Wow. So neighbours and police. They'd all close. Literally what you see in the movies, pull their blinds down and close their door. No one would ever come. So, no, so no one was there no, to help. No one would ever come. Ever. This is why we need to get um, down to these stories and, mm. and
0: why things are still slipping through the cracks. And I know yeah. that we're talking uh, many years ago, yeah. but I know that if it's happened to you, it must still be happening. Mm. So, okay, now we're going to go into your relationships mm. as an adult. So you obviously, the way your father figure would treat you, then you obviously have attracted
1: those kind of men into your life? I did. And, and the thing was, part of me when I met somebody that, that wasn't you know, of good character, I thought I could save them or help them or change them or whatever. But, you know, they just were assholes. Yeah, they would beat me. You know, I would stay. Some I left. And that was it. I didn't know any difference, you know. that. Well, like, you, well, your father
0: used to say if you make a noise or you blink, you're dead. So mm-hmm. it probably seems like if they hit you, you're probably like, oh, no big deal.
1: Yeah, when you had a gungy hair. Yeah, basically, because Mm. that's the most terrifying thing that can happen to you. And I think when you talk about level of fear, that fear's right up there. So when you've got somebody else, it's like I went through life with my eyes closed and, you know, I was numb emotionally to a lot of things. Oh, Um, no
0: surprise at all with that. mm. And did you feel that you had to almost remove yourself? Did you remove your soul from your body almost to
1: survive? Absolutely. But the thing was, I actually didn't know that's what I'd done. I didn't really recognize myself. I didn't know who I was. And I've heard this with a lot of traumatic experiences Mm. with both men and women, they remove
0: themselves, like the soul has to disappear because it's just so unbearable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you just, it's hard to describe unless you're probably in that situation, you know, like it's like one thing I look at my hand, but I couldn't see my hand. Like, you can't actually see yourself. You know, you become desensitised. So I couldn't feel things, you know. I knew they were going to happen. It's like you just, you don't feel anything. You you lose all that that emotional stuff. You completely disconnect from yourself physically and mentally. A lot of times I didn't feel things. And then I got to a stage where I was cutting myself, you know, self-mutilation, anorexia, you know. Um, Cutting never, I could never feel anything. So completely You know, I can't, disconnected. can't even comprehend that. Um,
0: So let's talk about, obviously, you have gone and got yourself a lot of work with, um, through counselling and psychology and things like that. Can you tell us what you found through actually going and getting the help?
1: Well, I found out that what had been happening was... Was not normal. Was not normal Mm. and definitely not on and that I had to learn to put the blame where it belonged, to not feel bad about that. I was really then come face to face with the reality of um, my life. And I suddenly realised I didn't even know who the hell I was or anything about life. Like, where was I? It's like I'd gone through this thing without realising I'd been going through life. I was so disconnected from myself it was a real shock to me, actually. A sho- and then also a shock to realise that things that people done were not right. Yes.
0: Yes. I, I did, did believe that family. I must have caused
1: it. Well, I actually did believe in my heart, well, I must have deserved that or I caused it. Oh, it's crazy stuff. Uh, so run us through now
0: your relationships with your family members. So has your dad passed away?
1: He passed away at 51. He had brow cancer so he died quite young. Mum has gone, mum died just a few years ago, but mum and dad had separated for a few years before, when dad passed away, they weren't together.
0: Did you find peace before they passed? Have you been able to forgive them or Um,
1: you just... Okay, with my mum, obviously, yes, definitely had closure with my mum. Mm -hmm. With my dad, I don't know that I ever wanted closure. I know when I found out he died, I actually cried with relief. Yeah, he Even can't though I hurt had him, you anymore. Well, just, you know, in my mind, I'm saying take it all with you. Obviously, it was still with me, mm-hmm. but that's how disconnected I was. But I felt relief when he passed away. I actually felt relief. And, yeah, yeah and people say, you know, talk a over bit. Well, I kind of don't see it that way and I don't forgive. And, you know, why should I? To make them feel peace of mind. Yeah. I think some things are unforgivable. Yeah. So
0: you luckily now through a lot of, you know, you've been through such a journey and you've done a lot of self-help through having a lot of bad relationships, you have been able to find that passion. And you have, I'm really glad to say that you have an amazing man in your life now. His name is Chris. Yes. And he's actually outside in the corridor waiting for yes. us to finish his podcast. So he is an amazing man. How do you think you were able to attract an amazing man after everything you've been through?
1: Okay, well, even five years prior to meeting Chris, I was still meeting bad people, but Chris is my second marriage. My first marriage, um, that didn't work. You know, a week into being married came the threats and stuff like that. Um, One week in. One week in. So they can hide it for a while, can't they? Yeah, absolutely, one week in. Um, But I knew after that week that it wasn't going to last. After that, finished. I thought, that's it, I'm not, I stayed on my own for five years out of choice. Mm -hmm. I thought, that's it, I need to know what it is that I'm looking for. And I just, I got to know me a bit more and I I wasn't willing to meet anybody else until it was what I was willing to accept. And I was very strong about that, very strong. And I didn't care if it was, they had 10 things right, one thing not. That was not going to be enough for me. Good girl. And I just stuck to my guns and I guess when I met Chris, I felt, connected without really even kind of getting to know him. I got to know him over a period of time. Um, and we're very much chalk and cheese, but we really support each other. And he's a wonderful, amazing man. And we've been through a lot together. I've had a lot of illnesses since I've been with Chris, quite so horrific ones. So he's real. He's genuine. He doesn't, uh, he's non-judgmental. Very he's not open-minded, trying to control you. Not trying to control yeah. me, but I don't try and control him. He's very much his own person and he allows me to be me even on my crappy days. He just, you know, whatever. <laughs> and that's what you need some days. Sometimes you need to just sound off and then, and he's the same, you know. We really do, we've got each other's back and we we respect each other. Well, all I can say is after
0: everything you've been through, it, you know, and I did speak to you about this a few years ago, I said, you know what, I feel that we choose our life before we come down to earth, I guess, yeah. um, and that, Only a really amazing, strong soul such as yourself could have actually survived what you've been through. Mm. And so I just, as I said at the start of the podcast, you're one of the most remarkable women I've ever met and what you've been able to come out of is just mind boggling. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you didn't give up hope and that you were able Hmm. to attract a loving partner that you really deserve. So am I, actually. Yeah.
1: I'm so grateful for that because I thought, leave this earth, at least I want to have one great love and, you know, just know what that's like. Exactly. So I think everybody deserves that. Oh, for sure. We certainly do. So I will have a
0: little bit of a plug for Veronica's book. So it's called Fractured Mind. And it's a story of Lost Girl Found. And you can actually buy a copy of her book. So her email is veronicadancer62 at gmail.com. You did one run and you almost sold out. But I really want to start getting your story out there. So it's only $15. So if you are interested in finding out the full story, you are going to just find so much strength that, as you can hear, this woman has been through hell and back. She's found light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know how you did it, but you Mm -hmm. did. And if you're struggling yourself, you might actually relate to some of the scenarios that you've explained in your book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really hope that you can find some strength through Veronica's strength. So thank you again for sharing your story. It is a really hard story to share, and I know exactly what you've had to do to share it with me right now. Mm -hmm. I love you lots and lots and
1: thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Kaz. Thank you so much. Please
0: never forget if you're feeling lonely or low that you always have someone to speak with. The Lifeline number is 13 11 14.